Milo Vonnen, and welcome to 10CBF, a podcast for blended families. I'm your host, Joel W. Hallbaker, and I'm thankful that you're here. Each week on the show, I'll be bringing you expert interviews to encourage and inspire your blended family, along with some special episodes thrown in from time to time. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating review on iTunes or whatever platform you use. In the meantime, be ready to listen, laugh, and learn, and maybe even take a few notes. Ready for this week's interview? Then let's jump in. Milo Vonnen, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of 10CBF, a podcast for blended families. I'm Joel W. Hallbaker, and I'm really excited about our guest today. Her name is Sabrina Shaheen Cronin, and uh, she has really, really interesting experience with blended families. Most of hers is professional. Let me tell you about her. Since 1993, Sabrina Shaheen Cronin has been practicing law and has been running her own full-service law firm for the better part of the last decade. A family law specialist, she's also expanded her work into the realm of family coaching, offering workshops and personal counseling to families undergoing stressful changes. Like that's everyone in a blended family, so this is going to be great. In particular, her work aims to provide families navigating the waters of separation, divorce, and co-parenting with a roadmap that they likely would not otherwise have access to. Sabrina is licensed to practice law in Michigan, New York, and Illinois. Sabrina is a graduate of the University of Michigan and received her law degree and MBA at the University of Detroit Mercy. Her extensive experience includes general counsel for professional employer organizations and APA for the Oakland County Prosecutor's Office before establishing her own firm, which has organically grown into one of the top legal firms in Michigan. A true student of life, Sabrina continues to further her education to better serve the ever-changing needs of her clients, both legally and supportively as an attorney, mentor, and coach. Sabrina, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm really excited to talk with you. Hey, Joel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, ma'am. So um, what I do is uh, we've read our we've read your bio, so we've gotten to know a little bit about you, but would you share uh, maybe some more details or fill in some of the blanks for us about how you started working specifically with families? What What kind of got you? Obviously, there's lots of different areas for attorneys to practice. What led you into this? And what are some of your experiences been working with families who, like you said in your bio, are going through stressful changes, whether that's divorce or remarriage or whatever it may be? Joel, I think when people have an affinity for something, you know, it just kind of finds you. It's almost like the old saying, build it, they will come from field of dreams, which, which you know, is I wonderful. Like yep. Yes. And uh, it's, it's true. It's, you know, I, I had opened up my firm about 10 years ago, as you said, and clients just found their way to me. And I have a, a natural interest in, in humanity. So, and, and learning how people work and they tick and um, trying to be the best version of themselves and, and people in the family law arena really need a lot of handholding and coaching to be the best person they can be. It's this old, the old saying, you know, you be the change. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want your ex to be a better co-parent, well, then you show up as that. Mm -hmm. And um, so there was a lot of that. And there was a lot of my own personal experiences in my life. I'm divorced. I have three children. And um, there was a lot of struggle that I felt that I was able to then, you know, convey it to my clients. And yeah. I not only talk to them from a legal perspective, but also from a personal one, I know exactly what they're going through. You know, right. everybody's experiences are a little different. But I know the challenges of divorce. I know how hard it can be. I know the struggles. I know 
how to try to make something work. You know, divorce should be the last resort Mm -hmm. because, you know, when you walk away from something, you have to realize what you're walking into. It's not always, the grass is not always greener. So I've, I've been a student of learning and knowledge. I love learning. I love learning about um, just the overall well-being of people. And so um, that's kind of how I got more into family law. When mm-hmm. I was a, an assistant prosecuting attorney, I did represent a lot of, I, I did handle a lot of cases. I was prosecuting a lot of cases that dealt with a lot of victims. Mm-hmm. So when I stood in their shoes, it almost was a natural progression to kind of go into this field as mm-hmm. a as a lawyer doing civil work, leaving the criminal side. So um, yeah, it's 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 just kind of been uh, it's almost like your destiny, you know, kind of finds you. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you said something that's really um, that hits home to a lot of our listeners uh, because of your work with family law specifically. Um, and you touched on it in your bio and mentioned it again, when you're going through a divorce, it takes some handholding sometimes because we know what we should do. But in those emotionally charged situations, it can be hard to remember that sometimes. So I'm oh, sure, you know, you're dealing yeah. with you're dealing with clients. And unfortunately, working in that kind of law, I'm sure that sometimes you see them at their worst. And so it's important part of what you do mm-hmm. to help them maybe not do that. Oh, completely at their worst. And they don't want to hear anything about it. And they don't want to change. They don't want to work on anything, let alone themselves. They blame the other parent or their spouse or whatever, even if there's no children involved. You know, it's, um, I see people at their worst, a hundred percent, no question. And they, um, a lot of times they don't want to hear how to be better, do better, let it go. You know, mm-hmm. you be the change. They don't want to hear that. Right. They, they, they're completely resistant to any self-improvement whatsoever. Yeah. I can understand that again. I, so I'm, I'm divorced as well. Listeners to the, to the show will be familiar with some of my story. Um, and I think there's probably a lot of people who are, who are listening to this right now, who are sort of nodding their heads and going, yeah, I remember being there because everyone who's been through divorce and you, you mentioned it yourself, anyone who's been through divorce knows like, it's just not, there's nothing fun about it. There's nothing happy about it. Like it just, it hurts. And so that's where we're acting out of. Um, and so I love that part of what you do is not just do the legal side, but you actually really try to help people get through that hard part so that they can then become a better person on the other side. And, and I know um, that was in your bio as well, in terms of doing the coaching and the mentoring. Um, and that's something on this show, again, we talk about a lot in terms of when you're going through this stuff, Find someone who's been through it to help you, because as you said, when you're in the middle of it, you don't want to listen to advice. You don't want to you don't want to make a lot of improvements to change like you just want the hurt to stop and you want to get what you want to get. And and that's not always in the best interest of you or of your kids. Um, so can you speak to that some in terms of um, maybe some of the clients you've worked with in terms of how the situations you've dealt with or, or ways that you've been able to kind of serve them or help them? Well, Joel, just to to touch upon what you said a few minutes ago, it's very important that you realize that a divorce and the divorce process is finite. At some point, it is going to end. And at Mm -hmm. some point, you have to deal with the ex in in some level if you have children. I mean, there's no question about it. In the best of circumstances, it's difficult. And in the worst of circumstances, it is horrible. And you will have 
an awful life moving forward if you do not learn how to deal with some of these emotions and handle Mm. yourself accordingly. Because when a client wants a lawyer to fight, 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 just for the sake of fighting, just to Mm. prove a point, to be vindictive, to get back, whatever. I can't, but I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you, do people really do that? Is it? I'm just, I'm I'm just kidding. Like I'm, I'm sure there are people who are listening who are going, dude, if you only knew my ex, um, you know, whether it's, you know, male or female, like I, it's, it's hard to, when you've been in that situation, it's hard to um, overstate just how emotionally driven we are. Cause you're exactly right. What you were saying there's when people are being vindictive, when they want lawyers to just prove a point, I, I mean, can you speak to what kind of damage that does in the long term? It's horrible. And I, what I was going to say, Joel, is people don't realize when their lawyer is like that, mm-hmm. or if they don't coach them to be better or to try to compromise, they're going to have a horrible existence moving forward beyond mm-hmm. the divorce. Because what they don't realize, no matter how young or you know older your children are, you still have to deal with that other parent. And if your children are teenagers or if your children are infants, it's all the same. You still have to deal with that other parent. And when, when parents don't want to let go and they want to hold on to that resentment, that shame, that hatred, because their spouse wronged them or cheated or stole or lied or whatever it is, they don't realize that by showing that hatred to that other parent, they're harming their children more than they know. Mm-hmm. They have to realize children have enough stress in their lives. And I don't care what age they are. They feel it on an energetic level. They feel the tension, the strife, the anxiety, and they're going through enough as it is. And especially teens. And, and, the, and, the, and the reason why teenagers have a harder time dealing with divorce is because they lived in that situation as a marital unit longer mm-hmm than say an infant and the infant doesn't really know on a subconscious level they will subconsciously they'll feel certain things because they'll they'll know the energy level of when the parents were together and if it's a little more peaceful then then they'll they can assimilate faster and easier when you're a teenager going through the divorce and and make no mistake Children go through it just as much as the parents do. Hmm. And when the parents put them in the middle or when they don't allow a child to take one of their personal belongings with them to their other parent's house for parenting time, because God forbid they didn't buy it for them. So they have to keep it home, whatever it is, it's, it's ridiculous. Or if they forgot something at one of the parent's houses and that parent isn't willing to bring it over or whatever, it's like, you guys, they didn't ask for this. Yeah. Maybe sometimes they did because the parents' situation was so toxic and it was awful. Maybe they are better that they're divorced now. But when children feel that tension and that strife, or they hear the disparagement from one parent to the other, you're reflecting on them. You have to remember that they're half of that other parent. Mm -hmm. And no matter how they how know how much they know that that parent did them wrong, or you know whether it was whatever it was, cheating or not being home or drinking, whatever it is, whatever the reason or the cause of the divorce. And sometimes it's just that two parents grow apart and they don't realize how to blend it or bring it back together. They just want to give up thinking the grass is greener. The the kids feel it 
and there's still half of that other parent. So my recommendation is try to let things go, show, show a kindness, mm-hmm. be respectful of the other parent. And you don't have to respect the other parent if they did something to you that is just so disdainful that you can't respect them. Show a respect though for yourself, for your child or children, for your family unit in general. Mm-hmm. Because the more peaceful you can be, that will emanate from you and your children will feel it. So, you know, I, I, I know parents who just cannot let things go. Mm-hmm. And I, it's the old saying, you know, the snake bite and, you know, the venom, the snake bites once or multiple times, depending on, you know, how many hurts you've felt over the years in your marriage, but it's the venom that seeps through your veins that kills you. Mm. You got to let it go, or it's going to destroy you. It's not hurting the other parent for you to be angry and bitter and right. you know resentful and upset. It's not hurting the other person. It's hurting you and your children. Right. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people who completely identify with what you just said, because you, you described a situation that a lot of our listeners have been through where it's been an ugly divorce and there's a lot of pain and, and there's, you know, some some people being vindictive or, uh, as you mentioned, just almost petty sometimes. And as adults, we've got to remember that's not our job. Our job is to try to raise our kids well. And, and I love what you said about being respectful of the other parent. Even if you don't necessarily respect them as a person, we can respect their position as parent. Oh, Um, for sure. I mean, at one point you, you love this person, right? You had children with them. You shared a life for that, that in and of itself deserves respect mm -hmm. because that was your life. You know, your history makes up who you are today. And unless you take that and that, you know, difficult time in your life and make yourself better, you take that challenge and make you better, then shame on you for disparaging a part of your past. It's who you are. It's making you more, you know, enriched and a fuller life. And you know what? You can't look at your past or some of the mistakes you've made and regret because then you're going to regret who you are today. But in order to move forward and be a better version of yourself moving forward, you have to let that go. You have to stop dwelling on the past and be who you are in the moment because then you'll have a better future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And again, I'm sure there are listeners that are nodding their heads right now going, yeah, I remember being there and I'm glad to not be there anymore because we've you know, we've moved forward. We've become better. We've learned what we needed to learn or we've grown in certain areas. Um, you know, one of the things that I love about doing this podcast is it's it's really easy to find uh, people who can share a lot of negative blended family experiences, whether it's their own hard divorce or remarriage or whatever. One of the things that I love to do is to ask our guests to share some of the, the positives that they've seen, like stories from your clients that you've worked with who maybe they were struggling and you were able to help them see something they didn't see or move beyond a hurt or reconcile, even if they didn't remarry, but now they can get along better for the sake of their kids. Can, can you share a little bit about that? Well, Joel, some of the blended family stories that I know start with a little resentment from the person that doesn't have the blended family. Let's just say, you know, in my, I've had a lot of this, this with some of my clients, a lot of this Mm -hmm. same experience where one of the spouses is with someone and that's why they got divorced Mm -hmm. and they end up marrying that other person and then they become a blended family. And so from the person that was left, the Mm -hmm. lefty, so to speak, 
is so hurt mm -hmm. and so resentful. And I've seen some extreme situations where they don't want the children around that other right. parent, or they don't want, you know, someone involved, or like you said, a lot of the negative stories are if there's, a, you know, tangential family members of this new person, right. you know, in their life, and they don't want them influenced by them, their children influenced or whatever, they try to control it. Well, I like to bring up the fact that you have to look at it like there are more people in your children's lives for them to love and for them to mm -hmm. love them back. It enriches their life. You know, um, in my, in my situation, my, uh, children mm -hmm. had a stepmom and early on, right after the divorce. And, and it was at first, it was harder for me, but it was better for them. My children got very close to their children and the, the children of the spouse, mm -hmm. the difficulty is though, when they break up and unfortunately in my ex's situation, they broke up. And so my children felt the, felt the fallout of that. So mm -hmm. I have clients that that has happened as well okay. and it's painful. And so in a short, in, in the children's young, shorter lives, you know, you have to be very sensitive to that and you have to be very mindful because remember their years are shorter and so they feel things that much more um poignantly or impactfully and and so when they're introduced to someone like that and then it's stripped away that's pretty traumatic for a mm -hmm. young person's life so whenever you want to go introduce someone your children to someone of significance in your life just be mindful of that and, but as the other parent that might not have that, just, you know, in, embrace it, try to look at the positives and be grateful that your children have a more of enriched family life and they have more people to love and love them back. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really excellent way of kind of reframing that situation because it uh, it is it's it's painful again I'm divorced and remarried my ex also remarried uh, about six months before I got remarried and there wasn't a whole lot easy about it there was you know there were some times when I wasn't thrilled about the idea of some other guy helping raise my daughters um, but like you said that's one of the things that we one we're not in charge of that so we can't change it and two how do we make the best of it how can we reframe our interpretation so that we can look at it in a more positive way instead of just continuing to foster bitterness and resentment or pain or vindictiveness or any of those other negative emotions that aren't actually helping our family. Well, Joel, it also helps that all the parents are aligned, mm -hmm. you know, and that's part of your, uh, your 10 commandments, right? You know, being aligned and making sure that that step parent treats your children as well as their own or vice versa. And you, mm -hmm. you wanna make sure that your children, when they go to that other parent's house with, with the step family, the blended family, you know, it's important that all the children feel safe, mm -hmm. feel secure, feel looked after and not neglected, or, you know, there's priorities of their own children or whatever. It's, that is so important. And children have enough, to deal with in terms of feeling left out or not feeling included or not feeling worthy or, you know, not being the chosen one or the, the one who's, who's given, you know, priority. 
So it's so important in blended families that all the children are treated equally. And that, that goes for disciplining, that goes for gift giving, that goes for you know, activities, extracurriculars, whatever it is, that there is not favoritism going on and the discipline is the same. And it's important to carry that to both families. And, and if you can cooperate with your ex and the, the new spouse, it's important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that you touch on, again, a couple of really good points for those of us who are uh, trying to figure out how to raise our kids well. It's important first that, that they feel safe, that they feel included, that they feel loved, because otherwise discipline is going to uh, just cause more problems. I know um, the school that I teach at, the, uh, the guy who um, founded uh, an association that, that it works with, he was very fond of the saying, uh, rules without relationships leads to rebellion, you know, and so the, the, I think that idea fits really well in blended families, because if you are trying to impose discipline on kids, and you don't have a good relationship with them, it mostly just re leads to more resentment, it leads to frustration. Um, and I love that you mentioned the opposite part of that, too, where if we can get all the parents in a blended family to be aligned, if we can get them, even if they don't agree on everything, if we can at least get them coming from the same starting point, which is we love our kids and we want them to be healthy and happy and responsible and whatever, like that's a great place to start because even if the way that we implement things isn't the way that we might choose to in the other house, at least we know they're coming from a good heart. They're coming from a good place and that makes it easier to cooperate. For sure. Yeah. And I think going to activities together is important. Your children want to see, you know, getting along. They don't want to see tension. They don't want to see this family member, not talking to this family member. If they're at, a, for instance, an athletic event at school and your children are participating in that event, whether it's a sporting event or, you know, or choir or whatever mm -hmm. it is, they want to look in the audience and see their parents. They don't want to feel the tension between right. the two parents. So if you guys can even sit near each other or in the same vicinity, right. you know, or not having daggers pointing at one right. another. Right. Yeah. At least you're not looking daggers at each other the whole time. Yeah. I mean, you know, and having some blended moments, whether it's over the holidays mm -hmm. or birthdays, it's important. And you need to learn, parents need to learn to set aside their own differences and not be so selfish. And at the yeah. end of the day, when you had children, you know, you should have checked that selfish hat out the door because <laughs> people don't realize that it's, you have to get outside of yourself and have a little more empathy mm -hmm. and compassion. And I think that's where we're lacking these days. People are so focused on how it's affecting them. Mm -hmm. They forget mm -hmm. that, wait a minute, my actions are affecting my child and I mm -hmm. better buck, button, you know, I mean, I better buckle up and just, be a lot better at this because mm -hmm. you want your children to grow up to be better than you. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? Words won't do that. Right. Actions will. Yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. And again, uh, so listeners pay attention to what she's saying there because she's touched on some really good things in terms of holding ourselves accountable uh, in terms of what do we expect our kids to be and how do we model that to them instead of just telling them, here's how you should be. Uh, I think that's really, really important. And I think it's also a really excellent segue into, into my next question here. We talked briefly before you came on um, 
about the Ten Commandments, and, and I sent you a copy of those ahead of time like I normally do with our guests. Uh, having looked through those, which of those do you see your clients struggling with the most? And what kind of wisdom might you share or how do you help people who are struggling with that? So Joel, let me just first say that if people follow these 10 commandments post-divorce, well, if they followed them, period, we would have less, <laughs> we would have less divorce. Right. If, if people were truly um, cognizant of this behavior, these 10 commandments, and not just a blended family life, but in life in general, we would not have as much divorce. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could, I, I could almost guarantee that because mm-hmm. your 10 commandments that you created and you put two foundations, be the adult you want your children to become. That's exactly what I just said. Mm-hmm. Um, and treat others how you want to be treated. If yep. people just followed those two foundations, the basic tenets of life, <laughs> Yeah, it's not like First those all, are groundbreaking. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have so much strife in the world. Right. <laughs> we wouldn't be so critical of someone else's opinion. Right. You know, we'd have a little more critical thinking and not be so put off by someone else's, you know, words. Right. You know, people are so reactionary these days. They live by all this emotion, high mm-hmm. emotion. They don't realize that, okay, they have to get a little bit more control of themselves, not be so hurtful in their speech, realize what they're saying. People don't take the time to say, Oh, what I said might not be perceived that well by someone else because they're so worried about themselves. And they're so worried about what they're wanting to say. They don't listen to what the other person's saying, right? You have to listen to what someone is saying first, not be so worried about what you want to get out. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, communication. So your first one communicate well to me, I think that is at the very basic rule that gets most people tripped up Okay. because it's all about not just communicating yourself, listening, Mm -hmm. listening to what someone says. I mean, that's respect, obviously. So, I mean, it, it kind of all ties in together, but, you know, use discretion, which to me is a communication issue, um, you know, knowing when to speak how to speak, what to say, who's your audience. Um, You know, you don't want to be talking on the phone with your best friend, complaining about everything under the sun about your ex and your child is right there. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's discernment, but it's also communication. Yeah, absolutely. You know, having some sensitivity, Mm -hmm. having some wherewithal, having some, you know, just awareness of what you're saying, how you're saying it, your actions, your behavior, you know, being gracious, believe the best, you know, that's hard for people to believe the best. That's your um, 10 commandment. That's your fifth commandment. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's hard for people to believe the best in someone else when they've been so wronged. Yes. So that's a challenge, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's helpful for your children too, but you also want to listen to your kids. You want to listen to know what's going on in the other person's household are you okay? Are you safe? Are you feeling comfortable? Because your children want someone in their corner too. Right. You know, if they're getting abused in the other person's house, you certainly don't want that. Right. Right? right. So, you know, you have to use your own discernment and discretion. And again, that's a communication thing. You want right. to be right. able to feel your children need to feel safe talking to you. Mm-hmm. So in order to feel safe talking to you about these issues, you have to be approachable. You have to be open. You have to be open-minded. 
you can't be so either shut off or reactionary to your kids. They're not going to open up to you if you, every time they do, you yell at them or you snap at them or you're critical of them or judgmental. So, I mean, kids are people. I mean, how do you feel safe talking to someone? You don't want to get barraged with all these questions. Right. You know, they need to feel, it's a feeling. It's a feeling of safety and security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I know that um, in, in creating those 10 commandments uh, a few years ago, when I first started uh, doing that, doing research and looking at my own experiences and things, um, the reason I put them together the way I did is because it's things I wish I had known when I went through my divorce. Because you're exactly right. If, if people could follow those, everybody's blended family would, would be better. The problem is, you know, it, it's not easy to follow them because, as you said, it takes a bit of self-awareness. It takes a bit of humility to look at instead of just looking at it from how does this make me feel? We got to look at it from the perspective of how is my action, attitude, choice of words, whatever. How is that affecting other people? How is it affecting my kids? How is it affecting my spouse? How is it affecting my ex? Uh, I love the example you gave of not wanting to be on the phone with your best buddy complaining while your kid is sitting there. It's unfortunately, it's amazing how often we don't think that sort of thing through and we don't right. realize it till it's a little bit too late. And then it's like, oh, wow, dang it, you know, because by then you, you can't unsay it. Your kid has already heard it and they've already, and I, I love what you said earlier that you're exactly right. That kid is half you and it's half them. And that right. means if you are critical of them, that kid is internalizing it because they're thinking, but, but I'm half mom or I'm half dad. If, if you're criticizing mom or dad, you're also criticizing me. They don't think that through consciously, but that's how they're going to internalize. That's how they're going to take it. Um, For sure. so and, I, I love that you point that out. And Joel, no matter what, no matter how awful a parent might be to a child, that child still loves their parent. Yeah. Somewhere deep down, I mean, they just do. Deep down. I don't care if there's abuse, 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 whatever type of abuse. I've seen it all. You know, I've seen physical, sexual, verbal, emotional, oh, so sorry. all of it. I've in my line of work, I have seen everything. And that child still craves that parent's approval, validation, love. I mean, it's it's so deeply rooted mm-hmm. that if the other parent doesn't help them through that, they're gonna have issues for life. Mm-hmm. So you know, instead of exacerbating that pain in that child and, you know, that other parent might think they're doing something right by confirming all the, you know, awful stuff that that child endured, sometimes it's more harmful. You know, you have to realize, again, you have to learn how to communicate so it's effective for your listener. Mm -hmm. Not everyone hears things the same way. And it's right. the same like with kids in school. Not everyone learns the same way. Some people are more tactile. Some people read. Some people need auditory. You know, it's, it just depends on that person. So you need to really, really learn your audience. And the only way to know your audience, meaning your child or children, is to, 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 to understand them, to get them to get outside of yourself enough to feel them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and it does, parents who are listening, you know this, um, in order to really get to know your kid, the best thing we can do is to listen and to watch and try to be empathetic and understand, okay, where are they coming from? What are they going through? I actually read earlier today, I read a great, uh, so I'm a big soccer fan, I'm a soccer coach. And I read an article today about a guy who was a professional soccer player, 
and now he's a professional coach. His son, who is still only like 18 or 19, is a professional player. And the person interviewing the dad said, do you give your son advice about what he should or shouldn't be doing or how he plays? He said, not really, because he's doing at 18 what I wasn't doing till I was 25 or 26. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not the same person at 18 as you are at 26. So I can't really tell him because I don't know what he's thinking. I know what I was like at 18 and I was not a professional soccer player at eight. You know what I mean? And I thought, man, that's a really insightful comment that even though, yes, he was a pro, his son is doing it almost a decade younger. And so the advice that he can give him is limited because the son is at a very different place than the father was in terms of his development, even though they're both, you know, pro soccer. But I thought, well, that's, re- I, that's incredibly insightful. Like that was really impressive. Well, and also, Joel, children don't want to hear from their parents about how to do something. Or that was his next line, actually. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I was a professional musician for years and my kids, you know, never thought I could teach them how to play the piano. I mean, you know, and I used to teach piano for a living, so they never yeah. thought I knew anything. So and I just you have to realize, too, you know, they're kids and they're not, you know, the frontal lobe is informed yet yeah and but being consistent (laughs) though that's one of your other commandments being consistent is so important so even when your children are resisting whatever it is whether it's Mm -hmm. learning something new or trying to talk to them or you know making them breakfast and they're just angry all the time you know teens get angry and you know they have emotions they have hormones and you know they're boy or girl trouble or schoolwork or whatever you know sport issues you know sporting stuff at school whatever it is being consistent and being present when the kid continues to reject you, reject you, reject you, you cannot take that personally. You have to be the parent. You have to be the stronger one. And no matter what, continue to show up. You know, I can't tell you how many times my kids are either moody or they don't want to hear from me or, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything right. But, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, but you just have to keep plugging away. You got to be persistent and persevere and be the love that you would want. Think of it as, you know, what kind of, you know, but, but it's also like, you know, the gift giving thing. You, you don't want to give someone a gift that you like. You have to think about the other person, what right. kind of gift they want. It's kind of like children. You got to show them the love in the manner that they need. And sometimes you just have to ask them, you know, honey, what do you need from me right now? I want to show you love that you can feel. What can I do for you? Sometimes it's a simple question. How can you feel that I love you more? Because I really do, honey. I love you with all my heart. What can I do? Is it just a hug? Is it just me walking out of your room? Do you need me to leave you alone right now? Do you need your space? Whatever it is, honey, I'm here. You know, sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah, I, I love that, by the way. So my t- my kids right now are 17 and a half and just turned 15. Um, and, and I have both two daughters and I feel like, uh, that question is brilliant. Just ask your kids how you can love them better. And it's funny that you mentioned what you did, because I feel like the answer both of them would give would be like, just leave me alone a little bit. (laughs) Just leave, just leave me alone a little bit, dad. Like I love you too, but just from over there, please. Yeah. And then, you know what? Okay, honey, when you're ready, I'm always here. And if you're not ready, whatever you need, I'm here for you always. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned too something that I know I struggle with, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do who are divorced and maybe they don't get to see their kids as much as they want, or they don't get to see them all the time. Sometimes it's really hard not to take that personally. So I love that you just reminded our listeners, hey, they are teenagers. They're, they are teenagers, right? They, j- try not to take it personally because it, it may be you. It's probably not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. It could be someone they're snapping with, right? You it, know, it's There's like, no telling. There's no telling. And, you know, and it's true. It's so hurtful. 
um, when you don't have them all the time, or, you know, they just had a great experience with the other parent and you, you know, when they come back to you, they're like down and out or they're depressed or whatever. They're, they're in stressful mode about their friends, whatever it is, but you just have to let them be, you know, it's not, you have to remind yourself, look, you know, unless you were a child of divorce and and back and forth, you you know, you don't understand how it feels to bounce back and forth from home to home. It's not always fun. Right. You know, they need their space. They need their time. And you just have to be a little more compassionate mm-hmm. and yeah, not ab- take it personally. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, I know that you uh, have mentioned that you do um, mentoring and coaching and things like that. Just what's what's one piece of advice or one piece of wisdom that you try to share with the families that you work with that you would share with our listeners as well? Well, Joel, it really depends on the actual family circumstance, but mm-hmm. um I think what we talked about earlier was, you know, and just now be, be impeccable with your word, mm. uh, you know, and don't take things personally yeah. and learn how to be the person that you want, you want the other person to be. So many people are hung up on, well, my ex doesn't do this, or my ex doesn't do that or blah, 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 blah. Well, are you, are you leading by example? Are you compromising? Are you doing all you can do to be, you know, it's like that cliche, be the change, Mm. right? So if you become, if you are the best you can be and then let other things go that you cannot control, well, you know, that's all you can do at this point, Mm -hmm. but be the best version of yourself, be the best parent you can be by example, not by words, right? Right. By, but both obviously would be the best, but, <laughs> right. but by example, you know, don't tell your children not to do something and then you do it right, or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's very important that you understand how someone else is feeling, you know, be, I don't know, just be empathetic, be sympathetic. And, and you got to learn to forgive and let go mm-hmm. and, and just take the high road sometimes because life at the end of the day is so short. And, you know, when you look back when you're older and, you know, you're, you're dying and you're on your deathbed, you don't want to go back and say, oh my gosh, I wasted all those years with so much bitterness mm-hmm. and resentment and regret and shame. And I could have spent and had amazing memories with my kids, but instead I was so focused on my ex and his new spouse or whatever or I couldn't let it go, or I was so hung up on whatever Mm -hmm. you, you lose precious, precious time. And that's all we have. Mm -hmm. All we have in this life is time. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, there, there's the, the book, you know, um, the four agreements and, and and it's, I wish more people would live by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. That's again, that's a good segue. So my, my last question before we start to wrap up, um, are there certain resources, books, podcasts that you point people to or that you sh- um, consistently share with your clients? You just mentioned one, um, the four agreements. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that one? Yeah, well, it's about the Toltec wisdom. And I, I kind of said two of them. I don't want to give it all away, but um, <laughs> there's that. There's the love languages, the five mm-hmm. love languages, which I really like. I, I recommend that one a lot. And there's five love languages for children, for yeah. um, teens. Um, you know, as well as spouses, it's all about learning how to give love and show love in the manner in which the recipient needs to feel it. 
Right. Um, it's kind of what we've been talking about this, this, this whole time, but um, I, you know, there's a lot, it depends. And it depends on if someone's dealing with a narcissist. I have, I, there's a lot of books that I know about that uh, are sociopathic or bipolar or, you know, borderline personality disorder. You know, it's, it depends on the client, right. you know, and, and what okay. they're going through specifically. But, um, and there's a lot of things for children, whether it's teens or um, a parent dealing with, you know, an unruly teen or um, a resistant, you know, child. Um, but those, those books in general, I, I okay. like to recommend, but um, okay. there's so many resources out there. I'm just a student of learning and knowledge and I love a lot, but you have to be, you know, you have to be careful too. If you go on YouTube and try to search a specific topic, some people right. don't, are not always akin to what you are going through. Right. Yeah. And you definitely want to vet your resources. I know as a history teacher, one of the phrases that I use with my students all the time is check your resources, evaluate the source, where you're getting it from. Um, and so I love the ones that you shared with us, the four agreements and then uh, the five love language series. We'll, um, listeners will put links to those things in the show notes. Now, uh, the last thing that I normally do before we wrap up is to ask a few lightning round questions. These are just, they're sort of goofy Uh-oh. either or uh, <laughs> questions. And, and, you know, if it's a false dichotomy and you want a third option, toss a third option in there. That's okay. Okay. All right. You ready? All right. All right. All right. First All question, right. Uh, baked potato or French fries? French fries. Nice. All right. Uh, regular wings or boneless chicken wings? Oh, shoot. I like both. <laughs> nice. All right. There you go. Hard to have too many wings, right? Yeah, right, um, right. Coffee or hot tea? Uh, coffee. Nice. All right. Good. Um, beach vacation or mountain getaway? Hmm. It depends on my mood, but I love both. I, I'm craving a mountain getaway these days. So Nice. All right. And then last one, and this is specifically because of an experience my wife and I had recently. Um, if you had to pick an animal, manatees or elephants, which would you go with? Mm, elephant. Nice. That's a, that is the right answer. Technically, there's no <laughs> wrong answers, but that's that's my wife's answer, too. So that's probably the right one. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, listen, uh, Sabrina, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing all of this with our listeners. I'm really grateful for you sharing some of your experiences and uh, what are what is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you or to learn about more about what you do? Um, if there's resources that you share or any of those things, how would uh, how would they learn more about you and, and uh, all of your practice and your work? Well, Joel, if someone needs my assistance with any kind of legal help um, or my team members, we do a lot of different types of legal work, whether it's family law, divorce, custody. Uh, we also have attorneys that handle personal injury and business. They can call the Cronin Law Firm mm-hmm. at uh, 248-258-3500 or croninlawfirm.com, info at croninlawfirm.com or okay. my email, which we can put on the site as well. But um, if someone wants to learn more about how to be a better version of themselves, whether it's in the family law realm, co-parenting, uh, blended families, or if someone just wants to make the most of their lives with they need empowerment or they, they want to be a better employer or employee, mm-hmm. uh, they're more than welcome to look for me on my personal website, which is sabrinashaheen.com. Okay. And I, for that, it's just my maiden name, sabrinashaheen.com. Okay. I'm on all social media platforms from LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, whether it's my personal brand, Sabrina Shaheen Cronin, or the Cronin Law Firm, you can find me on any one of those sites. Okay. Um, so 
Um, I do a lot of consulting. I'm licensed in three states, but I do have a lot of family law clients from many states throughout the country. Um, and I can also work with their current lawyer to help them you okay. know, through their own litigation as it stands currently. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, we will, again, listeners, we'll have links to all of those things in our show notes. So make sure that you check those out. Um, I encourage you to check out her website, sabrinashaheen.com. I've looked at it. There's lots of resources there, um, especially if you're interested in uh, like the mentoring and the coaching, those sorts of things. Reach out to her and, and let her know um, how she can help you. Um, Sabrina, thank you again for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time and I appreciate the work that you're doing to try to help families just become better families. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joel. It was a pleasure. Yes, ma'am. I had a great time. And, and listeners, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you tune in again next week for another episode of 10 CBF, a podcast for blended families. In the meantime, walk worthy and Godspeed. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of 10 CBF, a podcast for blended families. If you feel this was helpful, please subscribe and then like and share the interview. If you'd like to contact me directly, feel free to reach out through the show's website on Anchor or via social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and I'd love to hear from you. Last, if you'd like a free copy of any of my blended family resources, be sure to check out my website at stepdadding.com. In the meantime, walk worthy and Godspeed to you and your blended family.